Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome into episode three of the Landscape Photography Show. In this episode, we're going to be talking to Patricia Davidson. Now, I've talked to Patricia several times in the past, and I always just really like her candidness on photography and, and just what she thinks about certain topics in photography. And I haven't talked to her in a while since she stopped living on the road full-time in an RV and I was really curious to ask her questions about like what's the difference between you know living on the road full-time and settling down in one location and trying to get to closer locations around to a home or what the difference and contrast and in those two living situations I also always like to get female photographers input on what it's like to be a female landscape photographer. You know, I don't think female landscape photographers get enough credit for what they do because they have a much more artistic way of viewing a landscape so many times. That's not to say men can look at it that way too, but Typically, female landscape photographers do a much better job at the artistic side of photography. I ask her questions about that too, community of female landscape photographers, and why they should be more recognized in the world of photography. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? Patricia Davidson joins us on the podcast today. Um, Patricia, what was the last photograph that you actually took? Oh, well, probably about a week and a half ago, I, I, I live close to some farms and there's a Dahlia farm. And so I went over there and met a friend and shot the flowers. It's not really something I do a lot, the flower photography, but, it, but it's enjoyable. Do you find doing something like that, like switching your style a little bit and shooting something different kind of helps you out? in other areas of photography? Well, it's, it's challenging for me, you know, just like, uh, when I traveled in the desert, that was desert photography was a whole different thing for me being on the coast and in the Pacific Northwest. So yeah, um, there's been a lot of, uh, there's been lavender farms here that I've gone to, the tulips. And, and I used to shoot the, to come up from the coast all the time to shoot the tulips. But um, I'm finding just doing the macro kind of thing is challenging for me. But it's fun. I'm enjoying it. Last time we talked was quite a while ago. Um, two years, was it, maybe? Um, Maybe. I think I was on the road the last time I talked to you. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're not doing RV life full time. What's the difference been like for you being on the go all the time and shooting all these different places? And now you kind of have like a solidified home base. What's the difference in photography for you now? Well, it's, it's really different. Um, 
I would say the first couple of years of traveling, maybe two and a half years of it, because we were gone for four years. And um, during the first two and a half years, it was just go, 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 go. You know, I had all these places I wanted to go and shoot. And and then we started to be begin to have problems with our RV. And so um, we were ending up in places longer than I wanted to be, you know, places that weren't very interesting for photography, <laughs> you know, places we had to get the repairs done and for several weeks sometimes. So being back in a home base, it's actually been really fun. Um, I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, being back in Oregon, being back close to the mountains, close, not far from, you know, the beach and you can go anywhere in the location we're at and shoot all kinds of landscapes. So I'm really excited to be back, um, into a home base and, and like I said, I'm st we're still busy and I'm still busy. I'm out shooting as often as I can. So the only difference is you have a little more room to spread out. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Those people who say they can't live in an RV just because of the size, what do you tell them? Oh, gosh. Um, you can do it. Um, some people do it. I, we have friends that have been doing it for years, you know, like 10, 12 years. And they, they just love it. You know, they love that freedom and that lifestyle. Um, for us, you know, because my husband's not a mechanic, I'm not a mechanic. Um, so we had to pay other people to fix our RV and where we have friends that do their own work. And so it became very costly. And that's why I was ready to come off the road probably by last summer, the end of last summer. Was it bittersweet saying goodbye to the RV? No. <laughs> <laughs> All joy? That, not that RV. <laughs> it's, we kind of call it our lemon. So <laughs> we still have it. We took it out recently to the Oregon coast and we had a, another problem happen. <laughs> So we won't be taking it out again and we're going to concentrate the next several months fixing things and trying to get it sold by uh, next spring. And then we'll get something small. Like what? I want a van. <laughs> a van and like outfit it completely? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, there's a lot of things that we decided when we lived in this 32 foot motorhome that we didn't need. I mean, we boondocked a lot because we had solar panels. And so we stayed a lot in BLM places, places, a lot of free places out in the desert and things like that. And, you know, when you're living that way, you're conserving water. So, you know, you, we probably went about 11 days. That's the longest we could stay out there with, with our large water tanks and before you had to dump your toilet. <laughs> yeah. But, but we we want to be able to go anytime we want and i want to be able to take it anytime i want and and so there's certain things that we don't need because we found that you could do showers in um truck stops uh state parks for just a few bucks you could pay for a shower and certain things that we don't need and a in a van for traveling would just be perfect in my opinion 
Yeah, I found when my wife and I moved into a tiny house and went from 2,000 square feet to 160, <laughs> I found flexibility. Like you get so much more flexible about when when you travel, where you're showering, where you're going to the bathroom even <laughs> if you want to go there. But you become more flexible about everything in life. Did you kind of find that to be true as well? Oh, yeah. And one thing that I really loved is the minimalism. You know, every time I bought new clothing or something like that, I picked out something that could go to the goodwill. So we weren't accumulating all this stuff. And being back in a home base, of course, we, we did have to buy furniture and things like that. But, but I'm keeping it pretty minimal you know, because I, I still want the flexibility to be able to travel and go whenever I want and not have like things hold me down in the home. Did you keep your photo gear minimal as well? Yeah, pretty much. I had a bunch of camera bags that I had sold before I left, you know, how photographers accumulate those. Yeah. And, and so I kept it down to two. You know, two different sizes that I had on on the motorhome in the motorhome, and then recently I bought. Uh, well, a couple months ago I bought one for New York when I fly to New York, and just more uh, street worthy looking bag, not an outdoor looking one. But um, I have a daughter that lives in New York, so I travel there often. Now we talked a little bit about you mentioned the Oregon coast and then also going like into lavender farms and shooting flowers on macro. How does the approach for your landscape slash like outdoor photography differ from like a coastline to an inland photograph photograph? Well, it can be very different, especially if you know, you're concentrating on close-ups. Uh, for me, being a landscape photographer, I'm always trying to do the grander scenes. So whenever I do more intimate or smaller scenes, it it takes a lot more, you know, concentration, a lot more. I'm a little bit pickier about, you know, I, I don't just snap photos or whatever. I, I take my time and I really, really scout it out. And it's it's good to do that. And it's nice to be able to slow down that way and you know, try to figure out a good composition. Is the same true for other types? Like you mentioned going out into the desert and staying there for days at a time. Is it the same out there too? Well, like I said, it was more challenging for me in the desert because I'm used to waterfalls and seascapes and, you know, and so when I went, when I shot in the desert, um, you know, you're just, it, I guess it depended on where we were because like Zion was amazing and places like that, you know, it's pretty, pretty straightforward, all the good stuff you could shoot, but just like some of the places we stayed in, in the BLM lands, I, we'd be in these pretty locations and, you know, just photographing the cacti and stuff like that was different for me and a little bit challenging. But I, I enjoyed it, and especially like going to places like White Sands and things like that. It was just kind of incredible. Yeah, I've found the same thing in desert photography about it being a little more difficult. 
I was talking uh, with Mark Denny the other day, and he was saying, you know, going out and photographing East Coast versus West Coast is very different. And then my experience in Death Valley, I found Death Valley very simple to photograph, maybe just because there's so much coming out of that area and you can kind of envision what you want to get. But I recently went to Joshua Tree and I found it extremely challenging to photograph. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've been there too. And I felt the same way when I was there. And um, I don't know, it's just... uh, you know, it's just something that I wasn't used to. And I, I love the desert now. I mean, I really do. Um, but you know, it's like for me being back here in the Pacific Northwest, it's just like, this is home. (laughs) And this is, this is the, the climate that I really enjoy. Yeah. What, what, what do you love about it so much variation or just easily composed shots for you since you're familiar um yeah familiarity uh has a lot to do with it but pretty much i just love being in the forest air forested areas and things like that and and a lot you know the greens the colors it's just beautiful now About your photography specifically, I'm on your website actually right now looking through your portfolios and your images are like really artistic. Like they're the type of photos that I could envision on a wall somewhere. Do you, do you think the outside world though considers photography like an art? Uh, Oh, it's, it's gotten that way where it's more so I think than even when I started photography, because I can remember joining in an art guild over on the coast. And I was the first photographer in the art guild. And they just didn't have photographers joining the art guild. And the funny thing about that was that they had an art show and everybody was going to be hanging stuff at, I think it was a medical center. And and they, you know, they had, they said, okay, everybody, these are the types of art we want. And photography wasn't even listed. And so I called them up and I said, why not photography? Oh, we just didn't think about it. Oh, we'll put it on next time. So I wasn't able to do that round, you know, but it was just strange that they didn't think of that in their art, you know, <laughs> but anyways, I think it's gotten a lot better where, a lot of uh, galleries and things are offering photography as art. Why do you think it's been slow to build, though? Slow to build? Um, well, I think because there was still some stuffy old art people, artsy people that just didn't consider it as art, you know, because anybody could have a camera or something like that. But, you know, I, I've heard that there's still art galleries that do not take, um, photography. Yeah. I've been in a few art shows just locally and it is surprising how there's not a good representation of photography, like new numbers wise of how many people are there showing photos. Oh, really? Yeah. And also reactions from 
the crowds that come to see the art shows are very different from, let's say, a watercolor painting or an acrylic painting versus coming over to a photographer's booth. You know, a lot of times you come over to a, a painting and people comment on how difficult it must have been to like produce something like that. And then they come over to the photograph and they say, nice picture. And they want the story behind the picture mm. instead of talking about how it's framed up or how the composition is laid out. And I just always thought that was really interesting how yeah. the artists got all this artistic feedback, but then <laughs> the photographers got the questions on like the adventure behind the photo. Yeah. Well, that's funny you say that because I recently went to an art, well, I joined an art guild here where I moved to and I went to a festival they had and they had a ton of photographers. Really? <laughs> and, yeah. And this wasn't, you know, one of those big juried art shows. It was just a art guild putting on theirs, but they had a, a ton of photographers. And of course in the Pacific Northwest, there's a lot of really good um photographers and landscape right. photographers here so um so i'll i see it everywhere here yeah who are some of your favorites in your area in my area hmm well i moved i live between salem and portland so i live out in the country kind of small town and but i'm not far from portland or if i want to go to salem and i'm you know, just some of the people that I've known for a while, I'd say, are my favorite, you know, uh, that live in the Portland area. There's a, a good guy that I've gotten to know that's called Veldon Taylor. He's good. And uh, he he does really well. And then there's Gary, Gary Randall's not far from here. Okay. And let's see. Oh, gosh. I don't know. <laughs> I, there's so many that I could think of that um, live in this area. And even in the whole Pacific Northwest, like my friend Danae Miles, she lives over in Seattle. My friend Patricia Thomas, who lives in Washington. And I, I shot with those two recently at Mount Rainier. Really? Yeah. really? Is yeah. that who you went out there with? Yeah, we had a okay. class. Yeah, we used to shoot together before um before i headed out they you know we've done some trips together um they're just really fun to hang out with and very talented ladies that you could interview <laughs> hey real quick guys i wanted to talk about the sponsor for today's episode and that is visualwilderness.com right now on visualwilderness.com you can head over there and get all of my courses on post-processing for landscape nature photography for 33% off for a limited time. You can use the code DAVID33 while you're checking out for those courses. Also, if you want specific links to those individual courses or how you can get memberships to visualwilderness.com and really 
have a year-long membership to dive into all of the courses that are available to you through that membership, which is everything, you can head over to davidjohnstonart.com and find the show notes for today's episode, which will be found at davidjohnstonart.com slash Patricia. But let's get back to the episode. Yeah, for sure. And and that's, you know, a, a good topic is I hear more uh, females coming out in landscape photography and I hear more names of women who oh, yeah. are going out and shooting. And a few years ago, I felt like you kind of had to search them out where is the growth coming from? And I've been a huge proponent for several years about we need more women in landscape photography just because I feel like they have a much more uh, artistic eye for the outdoor scene and, and putting together images. But but where is that growth coming from, do you think? Well, I do think it is growing with more women in landscape photography, but... Um a lot of the women have been out there for a while. It's just that they weren't totally recognized. Um, you know, I can think of lots of women that have been doing it for years and, uh, and now, you know, they've inspired other women to take it up. And yeah, there's, there's a ton of great women landscape photographers and, you know, um, it's, it's even going to grow even more, I think. But, you know, they don't get the recognition that they deserve in a lot of, you know, ambassadorships and things like that. You still see predominantly more males in those type of things. Like if you look at the Canon ambassadors, the even Fujifilm and Sony, a lot, uh, you know, mostly are men. There's, there's women in there, but, you know, it's fewer, much fewer. What needs to happen there? I think the um, companies need to take notice and realize that these women are buying their products. <laughs> so yeah. they need to be better represented. Yeah. So I, sure. I think that's going to happen more and more, but you know, it's, it's just kind of slow going and, and it's funny because, you know, sometimes women out in the field still don't get taken seriously. Um, that's so funny though yeah i i don't get it you know here they're they're you know holding their tripods and their cameras and all this and and people come up and you know if they're with a male they think the male's the photographer or whatever <laughs> right right and I, I i think the perception needs to shift because like as a community that I feel like landscape photographers are, they're very accepting of a lot of things, but I still think that perception, maybe not in, in the predominant part of people who seriously go out and shoot landscapes, but a lot of times the perception is the guy is the photographer, you know, the girl is just the girlfriend or the wife. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that happens a lot, especially if, you know, there's a male and a, uh, a married couple and a male that both of them are photographers. I mean, you know, um, the female doesn't get taken as seriously as the male photographer. And in, in that case, you know, 
and it's, I mean, I'm thinking of people that I know of, so that have had these things happen where people are, or even some men that are kind of demeaning to women out in the field, you know, they're, um, they have to tell them, oh, I would do this or I would do that. And they perfectly know what they need to do, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But because I guess they're female, this some of the males think it's okay to tell them how to shoot. <laughs> right, right. You sell but, prints on your website as well. It's another topic that I wanted to hit on with you. Um, sure. How how could people go about selling prints now, like in this day and age? It's hard, you know, especially when more and more photographers are coming on the scene. Um, I think a lot of, if, if you're interested in starting out that you need to start with your own community and start promoting your work in your own area, because, you know, your name gets out there, start doing shows and, um, you know, join an art guild. Um, there's different things you can do to promote your photography and then, um, you know, things start to happen. I, I think having a, a website, uh, I know so many photographers that don't even think about having a website, you know, mm. they have a presence on social media, but at the, the website's kind of an after thing, you know, and I have had a website for years uh, with for my photography and the majority of uh, opportunities that come to me are through my website. And they're not through social media. Are you, are you doing things through your website to draw people to the print specifically? Um, yeah, I think it's, um, pretty, uh, known that I'm selling prints on my website. It's, it's one of the things that comes up on the homepage, but, but also, you know, once you have a gallery up there and your, your keywording and stuff like that, your photos will start getting picked up in the search engines. And then people might see that and contact you to buy that print, things like that. Um, so there's a lot you can do, you know, you got to take your business seriously and, you know, website, start building a presence online. Of course, a lot of people have that but like I said, they don't have websites. And I think that's really important. It, so those people who need a website, they just get on and, and build it from the ground up. What are some things they need to think about for, like you said, keywording, SEO, for those people who don't know that search engine optimization, things like that to draw more people to your page? Yeah, it's time consuming. And even me, I you know, I kind of neglected my website here. I'm, I have a web development background. <laughs> and so, you know, my website's always the last to be updated, but, um, this winter I'm going to be updating another version of it. And, um, I think you got to try to keep it fresh all the time. If you can, um, keep your blogs going, you know, do blogs, uh, I failed on that this year. I was going to blog more and it, this year seemed like a crazy year because we were moving back, but I have more plans for next year now that I'm, you know, settled in, but I think you need to, 
you know, put your portfolio up there, do the keywording, and then, um, you know, point people to your website from your social media. So everything comes through your website. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, another tip is if you're unfamiliar with web design or anything like that, it's not a bad thing to use one of the template services that you can get for, you know, 10 bucks a month or something like that. Yeah. And there's some good ones. I don't reckon, I tell people not to create, you know, there's um, Weebly or whatever, and no knock to that. It's probably a good service and everything. I've never really looked into it, but a lot of things I've seen with those Weebly type websites is people don't get their own domain name. So it says, you know, like their photography name dot weebly.com, you know, pay the extra money and get your get it to point to your domain name, you know. And typically domain names, if you don't have like a popular name are fairly cheap. I know mine's only like, I think 14 bucks a year. Yeah, they're cheap. So I mean, it's worth it to get your your own domain name. And definitely start building, you know, your website. And yeah, there's a lot of great services out there. And even if you ha- if you have the money, pay somebody to do it. You know, like um, I don't know. There's that. I just lost it, but um, there's a guy that does it for photographers. Um, do you know what service I'm talking about? I don't know. Oh yeah, I can't think of it right now. But anyways. Um, there's a lot of choices and Squarespace is a good one. A lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Now I yeah. do a WordPress because I like getting in there and, you know, tinkering. <laughs> right. Right. Can you code and everything like that? Yes. I've done that. Um, I, for years, you know, and like I've been away, let's see, in just when I hit the road in 2015, I was still working full time as a web administrator at a community college. So, I was uh, working right up till 2015, but you know, the further it's been four years. And so I have no desire to go back to doing that kind of work right. <laughs> at this point um, because, you know, you have to keep fresh in it and, you know, I can do, I can update my own, but I'm at this point, I'm not building websites for anybody else because I, I really believe you have to keep up with the latest, you know, web development um, things. And I, I'm not doing that right now. <laughs> Just enough to help myself. <laughs> What's the most important thing that's going on in photography right now? You know, there's a lot of, you know, things to be aware of and movements going on. What What do people need to know if they're not aware of it already? Yeah. Um, yeah. I really think that um, photographers need to um, really consider those type of things when they're out shooting because it's so important, especially now. We, we've got so many crowds. And, you know, even when I started um, going, we started traveling in 2015 and we were going to places like Zion and White Sand, different places, national parks. We've seen a real increase since then, you know, to last year. Um, last year was the first let's see, last summer, we went to Yellowstone and things, but we saw an increase in the amount of people going to those places. And photographers, I think, have a real responsibility to try to 
if they can educate people on how to, you know, be more respectful of those places that we visit and we treasure. So I think those movements are really, really good. Well, Patricia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, talking about your photography, your experiences in the RV and now settled in life where you are in Oregon. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me, David. It's good to always chat with you.